you for tuning in to Glossy's Beauty Podcast. I'm filling in as your host for this week's episode, Emma Sandler, Glossy's Senior Beauty Reporter. I'm here to introduce our special guest for today, Eve Carr Montpruce, founder and CEO of Creole Essence. Eve Carr, welcome to the show. Emma, thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited about our discussion today. Yes, indeed. If you recall, because I certainly remember this, we first met in March 2020. You came to the office for an in-person desk side. Meanwhile, half the office was cleared out at this point. We even shook hands, which I marvel to think of at this time. I don't know how much you remember of that. I absolutely remember it because it's as if the world was shutting down, but we were committed to chatting and connecting with each other. And it was such a great conversation. We did even do the like crazy thing of hugging. (laughs) And I think that was actually the last interaction I had with the outside world before going home and really bunkering down um, for quarantine. Um, So it is vivid in my mind. Yes, same here. That was my last in-person desk side. Um, But I would love to begin this conversation by talking about Creole Essence, because you have a wonderful origin story for the creation of the brand. So please tell us a little bit more about it and how it came to be. Sure. So I started Creole Essence after having what I call a hair catastrophe. I was going to an event. I was in a market for a husband, so I wanted to look my best. I asked my hairdresser to straighten my hair. She did an amazing job. She did such a good job. I found the husband, Stefan. He's currently my COO. But um, when I washed my hair the next day, it all fell out. Like any good millennial, I started to cry because it's one thing to get a haircut and it's another thing for your hair to fall out. Um, And I learned that I had severe heat damage. I called my mom and said to her, what's that oil you used to use when I was growing up that pretty much solved all of our problems for hair, dry skin, eczema, any issue you had in the Haitian community, you found this bottle of this product. And she told me L'huile Masquiti, also known as Haitian castor oil. I lived in Philadelphia at the time. I was at the School of Government at Penn. I ran to the store and everything I found on shelves had hexen, bleach, and other additives. So I begged her to send me some from what I call the Haiti or immigrant stash. And it came in a rum bottle because it's not a packaged product. Um, and I jokingly said to her, what if I started a business out of this? There are so many women who are suffering from hair loss, from um, challenges with dryness, whether they're blow drying, coloring. We do so much to our hair and skin. What is the thing that's going to help revive it? Um, And she said, that's actually a great idea. And when we thought about the fact that not only would this help women um, and men with some of their hair and skin challenges, but it would also help with our social impact goals in terms of creating work for farmers, helping with the environment, exporting, and really changing the relationship that people have with Haiti. And that was really the impetus to start Creole Essence and to begin this journey. Yes, share more about the business model because of your sourcing from Haiti. I I love what you're doing and I'd love to hear more. Sure. So in order to grow or make castor oil, you need castor seeds. And most people don't know um, that it is an At our back end, we're truly an agricultural company. So we work with over a thousand farmers in order to cultivate the castor seeds. um, And that is creating work and ensuring that we pay up to five times what the average is in Haiti, which is a huge feat 
um, to really revive the agricultural economy. The second part of the supply chain comes from production. Now, production tends to be a very male-dominated industrial process, but our production facility is run 98% by women. And that is because women are the ones who have the skill to meticulously sort through the seeds after they've received it from the farmers to go through the process. I call it a time-loving, it's almost like creating wine or whiskey, where you have to, you know, there's... um. The processing involves letting it simmer. It involves roasting. Um, And throughout each of the parts of the steps to produce the castor oil, it's been a time-honored tradition for centuries in the Haitian culture. So women are the ones who do that. And again, we're playing above living wages and allowing women to be at the helm and to be respected in the in this in society. Um, After that, we export it. And you might be like, well, what is that? Well, often in Haiti, uh, products are created, but they just sit there. And what helps a country create an economy is that they have to do business with other countries. So we are actually at the helm of ensuring that Haiti exports products to North America, to the U.S., Canada, primarily, um, which is where we bottle up and then, you know, are able to distribute through our distribution channels um, this time honored and loved tradition in Haiti. And then lastly, when we think about the stat that people mostly hear about Haiti, it's that it's the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. But people don't know that it's one of the most biodiverse countries in in the Caribbean and that we are plentiful and rich um, when it comes to our soil, when it comes to, you know, nature. And that's why often, whether it's a mango or coffee or black castor oil or vetiver, which is the highest price oil in the perfume and beauty market, most people don't know that comes from Haiti, the terrain is so rich and natural and fertile is that you get the best quality products. So we wanted to introduce a different relationship for people to have with Haiti and to be able to help beyond a donation, but by doing business with the country. So we consider ourselves a, a social impact business. Um, and that is because we're not only looking about how we impact our tribe, which is what we call our customers. We're also looking at how we impact our producers in every part of the supply chain that it takes to make the castor oil. Yeah, that's a really good point that you bring up around being a social impact brand. I wonder what your thoughts are on its sort of sister term, which is conscious capitalism. Do you have any particular opinions about that? Sure, I have lots of opinions. (laughs) (laughs) We love to hear it here on the podcast. You know, I think we continue to find various terms to encapsulate this larger idea of taking money to do good and to invest in businesses that are going to have a return on investment that is not just for the shareholders, but for people, profit planet. So other terms also include B Corp, you know, like a B Corporation, um, you know, social impact companies. There are various names, but I think the larger picture is, are you doing something above and beyond what a traditional business would do with the intention, with, with clear intention um, for impact, either on the environment, either for a specific group of people, um, and really looking at how do you make sure that it's not just good for, for yourself. So I love the term conscious capitalism, especially when we start to look at how people are investing. There's a lot on, you know, for good or bad, there's lots of money out there, but how people choose to spend it 
um, really has a rippling effect on the world. And I think more and more, both investors and um, us as consumers, we're becoming more aware of how much power we actually have when we decide to invest or purchase particular types of products. Yes, absolutely. And I, I loved the point that you brought up a moment ago about Haiti being known as the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. And yes, perhaps the people are poor, but the country itself is actually very rich in natural resources. And so it's finding a way to support that type of economy or that type of system to bring it out of this donation-based type of economy. Um, Haiti has experienced some serious events this past year. There was the presidential assassination, then there was an earthquake, and those are to name just a few examples. Has Creole Essence been directly impacted by any of this? And if so, how has the brand been navigating it? So I like to say to folks that Haiti is the school of hard knocks. <laughs> if you're going to do business here, you can do business anywhere. And I think th this past year, not only because of another earthquake and the fact that we had a presidential assassination, but the world essentially got a taste of our life through COVID. We actually launched at Ulta during COVID and opened up our own facility to, you know, from a 3PL to ship to our customers during COVID. And I think why myself and my founder, we remain calm is because this has been our everyday for the last six, seven years, where we're constantly having to get creative and be nimble to deal with challenges. So it's nonstop for us in that sense that we have to be better at planning and projections than most day-to-day -day companies because we don't have the luxury to, you know, just call up a manufacturer in China or call up someone to in the States to get our product. So we often have to be six months ahead of time in production. And we're looking at political crisis. We are looking at when is elections up? Oh, you know, most people don't think about that. Oh, there's an, this is an election year. I can't produce. So I, we have to know that. We have to look at, all right, it's hurricane season. Um, and I think just by nature of having an agricultural product, we are very sensitive to what are the areas that could um, be a potential blockade for us. So it was challenging. Um, you know, safety for our team is our utmost um, priority. And figuring out how to navigate the different waters is part of our day to day. So it was challenges. It is challenging, but we continue to persevere and sharpen our skills um, in order to ensure that we delight and also support our customer base who's counting on us um, for, for their personal care products, as well as ensuring that we create work for those in Haiti. Um, so during the, the challenging times that we have reserves. Then you mentioned that Creole Essence launched in Ulta at the very beginning of the pandemic. And uh -huh. I know that you expanded to QVC this year as well. Can you tell our audience a little bit more about your distribution as well as the experience on QVC specifically? Absolutely. So it's been quite a year, you know, <laughs> in the midst of the pandemic. Um, at the beginning of 2020, we first launched uh, our episode on Shark Tank uh, launched. So that was the first big thing last year. Uh, so we had these influx of orders, these influx of um, very enthusiastic customers who wanted to try our product. Um, so keeping up with the demand was super hard. 
Um, we got through that and um, launched at Ulta. And of course, every brand like dreams about the day that they're launching into their dream retailer. And ours all of a sudden had to be shifted to online because stores were closed. Um, but what proceeded after that, we made sure we couldn't get the same amount of inventory that we planned um, to get into altered doors at, at that time. But we made sure we got things on dot com and sold out. And thereafter, we were sold out for about six months trying to keep the shelves filled. Um, and we were we launched being one of their top selling hair care brands, which was not something we even imagined. Um, but it spoke to the need uh, around scalp care and around how to take care of yourself, especially while people were at home. Um, in addition to that, it's the first time that anyone saw a Haitian brand in, you know, an Ulta beauty store or in, in a number of mainstream shelves. So that was also exciting um, because we were having a different conversation um, around hair and skin that was just beyond, you know, here, get the shampoo, but it was about impact. It was about the diversity of folks that we um, have in our tribe and our customer base. So when you go into Ulta, you see all of our customers and those are real people. And you have those with straight hair, those with kinky hair, those, you know, you have men, you have kids. So being able to tell that story to through our display, it was super exciting and seeing people post about it on social media was fantastic. Um, and I think as we continue to move forward in telling our story, to have the opportunity to be on QVC, which we sold out twice on in our airing, which is which was again something we were super nervous about. Like, will folks really not only care about you know how we help with promoting thicker, longer, fuller hair or helping with dry skin, but will they care about our mission to truly provide clean, natural beauty products um, that are akin to that adhere to the to the rules and the level that we see in Europe, right? Like we've taken out phenoxyethanol. We've taken out products that are ingredients that are not necessarily um, banned here in the U.S. But if we're adhering to the best standards, um, you know, we decided to do that with our manufacturers, which was, again, another challenge. Um, but we wanted to do that. And we were excited to see that on QVC, that that resonated and that the customer um, felt like this was a product that they needed and a brand that they wanted to align with. And we then went on to open up the Shades of Beauty for QVC um, as they, you know, seek to diversify their customer base and ensure that they um, provide products that work for all. So it, it's been stressful, scary, because these are all new milestones. And I think when our partners take a chance on us, we don't want to fail. And then we also don't want to fail our community because we want to represent them well and make sure that they feel seen and heard um, through the various shades, through the various hair textures, because that's something that's been missing. It's been a white space in the beauty industry for so long. So for us, it, it's pressure both ways to make sure we're, we're creating this um, cohesive community in the beauty sphere and amongst people who want to be heard, seen, loved, celebrated, and also get products that work and that are clean. Who is within the Creole Essence community and, and how are you trying to sort of build that up or strengthen it? That's an amazing question. One that we were having, we have constant discussions on. So I think at the forefront, when most folks see us, because the first customer, our, I, I say our primary customer, um, early adopter, 
it's a Haitian woman, it's a woman of color, it's someone with kinky curly hair. And that's because she's familiar, even if she um, couldn't find the product here in the States, someone, her auntie, a friend brought over a little bottle and she kept it and loved it. So she already had an idea about what our products were and why Haitian castor oil or Haitian moringa oil is so powerful that we've infused it throughout all of our hair and skincare line. Um, and because she has been underserved for so long, especially in the prestige space, right? Like we work with Goop, we work with Hudson Bay, um, Urban Outfitters. So we're working in areas that even while I would say in mass, they started to catch up and making sure that there were products for her or the family, prestige was just nowhere there. <laughs> um, so, so making sure that also there was an elevated way from our packaging to the customer service, to the education, elevating her experience was really important because I remember being in corporate America, working at Cornell. If I'm in the city and I'm going to an event and I need to look my best, I couldn't find a stylist. I had to do everything DIY. Um, but I wanted to make sure that she or he didn't have to go through that same experience, that they could walk into an Ulta Beauty and find their 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 products, their go-tos, and get fabulous, feel great, and go kill that board meeting. So we wanted to make sure that she was represented. Um, but also, hair loss, you know, according to the American Dermatology Association, 60% of women say that they're experiencing some form of hair loss. During the pandemic... Four out of five women said that they were seeing that they were losing hair. So that brings in this other customer base who discovered us on Shark Tank, who discovered us on QVC, who discovered us at Ulta, who is not a woman of color, but she's also suffering from a very personal challenge um, that can often cause um, her to be self-conscious, that causes you to feel like you're not as attractive I think I also read a stat that when a woman is having a bad hair day, she is 10 times as likely to have a fight with her spouse <laughs> and how she deals with folks. So I jokingly say that we're saving marriages as well. So when you think about how important our hair is and we do so much to it, coloring, bleaching, blow drying, and we, we need to protect it and also learning that we have to treat the scalp, not the hair because your hair grows from your scalp. That became a very important conversation for a cross-section of women. And what I like to say is that we're, we're sharing our tradition with all and kind of giving them our beauty secret about what helps us with our skin, what helps us with our hair, um, which tends to be one of the most challenging types because there are not enough, there's not enough research. There's not enough product development until now after, honestly, the industry caught up and said, oh, there are dollars to be made here. Right. With curly hair alone, just the spectrum of curly hair, she spends six times more than her average straight hair customer. So and when we saw things like Fenty Beauty doing really well, when we saw the fact that, you know, we have entrants into the beauty space who are very unapologetic about being inclusive and we saw how well they did. Now it's it's like the hallmark standard. Now everyone's like, well, we want to work with diverse brands. So we we pulled up a stat um, this year and looking at our consumer base with 50% of our consumer base being of African descent and 50% being white or other identifying in that way. Um, and that's actually usually a challenging thing to do um, because the industry is so fragmented 
But I think it also speaks to the Haitian culture, which is also very diverse. Um, when you look, I mean, in our page, you'll see various Haitian women, and some of them will have straighter blonde hair, and some of them will be darker skinned like I am, but we all grew up in Haiti. We all speak the language, and we all have these universal products that we use because they work. We might apply them differently but they all work the same. So I think by focusing on what's the shared challenge and the shared solution, that's starting to bring our community together. And we have a lot more work to do to make sure that we educate and continue to make sure folks see each other in terms of, we have a shared challenge, we look differently, but we have ways that we can help each other out in sharing our traditions with each other um, is something that is top of mind, but we're really proud that we feel like we're speaking to various um, groups and communities, but we're coming together to help solve that problem and make sure that we learn from each other in the process. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. It's so funny to me what you're talking about with respect to women experiencing hair loss and then the other women, especially those with curly hair and the way they conduct their beauty routines. I have two roommates and one said that she's experiencing hair loss. Mm -hmm. And of course, a lot of it comes from stress, but then you're stressed out because you're losing hair. Uh And then the other one has 4C curly hair and she has products and does things to hair that I've never had to deal with. She goes through bottles of conditioner all the time, Mm -hmm. whether it's because she's washing her hair, she's sort of using it to style her hair. Um, And so I feel like I'm experiencing what you're talking about on a, on an intimate micro level. Yes. Yes. And I think we don't share enough stories with each other around our challenges. So oftentimes we don't understand each other. So, you know, often a girl with kinky curly hair, she's looking at a, a girl with straighter hair and she's like, you have no idea what I go through, which is tr- true because we, we don't know. But she has challenges too because she can experience breakage from her flat ironing or straightening her hair every day or every other day, right? And we have like these great before and afters to show, hey, she's experiencing some of the same challenges, but you know... Because you've often had to deal with the driest form of hair that is curlier. Um, so you've come up with these great remedies and concoctions. You can actually teach her how to use it that helps her with her hair challenges as well. Um, and at the same time, um, and I think you, you, you made a very good point or you were alluding to that hair loss is not just about what products you use. And it's not just the style, but it's also how are you doing mentally and emotionally? from a wellness perspective, and what are you putting into your body, right? So one of the things we launched is a Moringa powder as a hair, skin, and nail vitamin. And we did not use a pill, which it, which is very new in the industry. We use this just a natural form of the powder because of the vitamins. It has over 96 vitamins and nutrients in it. And normally you'll find Moringa at a health food store, but of course, we want additional beauty benefits, right? We added biotin, collagen, ashwagandha, um, and other um, vitamin C, other things that we know help to support, you know, 
the the cell redistribution and growth, which helps with hair and skin, so that it's a whole 360 experience. So I think bringing wellness into beauty and um, as well, specifically around hair loss is important, which is why during the pandemic, we had yoga sessions, we had meditation exercises, we worked along with doctors um, and dermatologists to to really deal with the spectrum of her to ensure that she's doing everything that she can to be the best her. And I say her because that 90% of our customers are women, but we have a growing male base who's also caring about his hair, especially as he becomes more mature um, and who's caring about his beard and wants to make sure that it's as full and lush uh, as possible. Uh, So all of that comes into play. And I think we just haven't had discussion and shared our stories. So we each have perceptions of each other. That can often be wrong. I remember I was on the Home Shopping Network and a more mature woman in her 60s started showing her scalp before using our oil. She's a white woman. She has psoriasis. Her hair's falling out. And she was in tears talking about how she just felt like she was no longer an attractive woman, that, you know, she feels alone. And there's a whole cycle of her talking to herself in a way that is not positive. And I think when we start to look at people for people in their stories, then not to say that we don't have to make sure that we take care of our kinky, curly um, girls, but then we can really connect with how do we just solve this problem that we're all facing. And sort of going back to the Ulta partnership that you have, because you also mentioned that, you know, you launched the new Moringa line with them. Something we have spoken about before is retailer initiatives like the 15% pledge. And earlier this year, Alta said it would commit $25 million to diversity and inclusion. What is your take on this approach? And has Creole Essence uh, received any added marketing support as part of this? Mm -hmm. I would say we have. Um, I I always tell brands it's really important to select wisely who your retailer partnership is going to be because it's a, it is a marriage and you don't want to get divorced on ugly terms. <laughs> um, and I think from the onset when we launched with Alta, something that stood out to me is that n- very few or almost no other retailer partnership that we had asked how we were doing personally. Because this was the height of George Floyd. Our community is distraught and it to me, sent a big signal about who's aware about what's also going on in the world to say, are you guys okay? And we could share our our personal challenges. I wasn't sleeping. We were stressed. And to just have someone say, are you okay? And to share, here's what we're thinking as well. And we're upset. And to be able to have that humanistic conversation was important. And I think to double down on that, Alta had our pictures splashed up on every like window. Uh, there were emails. There was setting us up on different podcasts. There was really an effort to make sure that, you know, the Alta larger community was supporting and amplifying, you know, brown and black voices. And I think they didn't tell us we were going to, they were just going to like, you guys are up here. We're, guys, I need you, you here on this um, podcast. This is going to be great. Evie, tell your story. You're going to do amazing. And just that encouragement and to know that who are we in in some ways, right? We're not a large brand. We're not L'Oreal. We don't, you know, have some of the resources that they do, but the energy in which that they supported us 
and, you know, ensured that our community and their community knew that we were in stores uh, was astounding and humbling, to be quite frank, because I hadn't experienced that as a brand. I think the next thing when we pitched to Alta the idea of creating one of the cleanest um, hair and skin um, product lines by removing phenoxyethanol and ethylglycerin, which in the in the EU you're allowed to actually it's banned here in the U.S. You're allowed to use one percent or less. Um, it's also the same guideline that even Credo and Detox are getting into. Well, we are the first curly hair brand um, that deals with diverse communities to remove those ingredients from our product line. And let me tell you, we had to fight with our manufacturers to do that. But we thought, why would we not ensure that this community gets that same elevated treatment in terms of the best ingredients, removing things that are toxic, that can, you know, um, contain uh, carcinogens or that can change, um, you know, um, testosterone or estrogen levels um, for folks. Why is this community being ignored in this sense? And it's very early on, and we don't always talk about it, but Alta agreed with us that we wanted to provide the best for for our um, community in prestige. Um, and hence the launch of the Moringa hair care line with additional styling products, as well as the skincare line that has things like 100% real black soap into it for your face, which normally, if you're from Brooklyn, you're going to find it, you know, um, on the corner in the block, the African folks are selling it and it's awesome. Um, but we wanted to really honor that and make sure that, uh, that it was brought to a different community who probably has never experienced using black soap. Everybody now knows shea butter, but it became a well-known ingredient because certain brands started taking it on and taking the initiative to infuse it into their product line. And we see it as a responsibility for us to do that. Things like African black soap, moringa oil, Haitian black castor oil, taking these treasures that are sometimes within our communities but not celebrated or known until... Oftentimes, a conglomerate makes a variation of it, but we want to be act the actual, um, not just beneficiaries, but also producers of what's at home for us and be able to deliver it. And I think that's a different exchange and a different relationship than at times when you're going with um, brands who have no real connection to the ingredients, the people, the history or the story. Yeah, it's almost comes back to... Creole Essence's mission of being social impact. It's not just about on the grounds when it comes to agriculture and operations, but again, to the community. You're sort of keeping it in the family mm -hmm. and you're giving it to people in a way that doesn't feel um, exploitive or as though you appropriated it. Exactly, exactly. And we're proud of that. And it's not that we feel like others should not utilize these ingredients and um, you know, share it with their customer base, but it's an imbalance that you never see, you know, those who are actually from th the specific communities where these ingredients are coming from, you know, being the brands or being at the helm of production. And I think the different relationship is we just talked about a litany of things happening in Haiti. As someone of Haitian descent, as a Haitian woman, I'm not going anywhere. I'm still going to continue through the good and the bad to work with Haiti because it's personal. Whereas I do think, I mean, anyone in their right mind <laughs> who is not, it'd be like, you know what? This is a bit challenging. 
I don't think I could take it on. That is no slight, no judgment. It is difficult. So I think you have to have this deeply rooted, this deeply seated connection with these communities to keep fighting, to keep, to keep fighting for them and fighting for your customer base. And I think that's the unique aspect of Creole Essence and having allies like Alta, like QVC, who understand that shared mission allows us to progress and do more. Yes. Creole Essence over the last year or two has gone through tremendous growth, has accomplished quite a bit. As you look into next year, what are your primary goals for the brand? Really great question. So we've gone back and forth on if we should raise capital or not, which is like a a major question brands ask. And, you know, our growth has been tremendous, but it's been hard, um, you know, to bootstrap and to be an international company. But now that we're reaching the sales milestone of going into the double digit numbers and really cementing that the fact that we've got great distribution partners, right? The, The distribution partners that all brands want. Um, we have this amazing community. We have great social proof and um, before and afters that the products work. In order for us to scale and take this to the next level of world domination, um, you know, what are we going to need to do that? Um, so finding the right um, partner from the finance side is going to be key for us and something that we're going to focus on because it's not even just the capital, but it's also, you know, we like to call it smart money. You know, folks who are going to really be able to guide us who have industry knowledge and help to, I guess, fill in some of the gaps that it took us six or seven years to learn as industry outsiders, right? Like I was not in the beauty space. I mentioned I was focused on, you know, how I was going to help the world through the school of government. So beauty wasn't where, um, you know, I came from, but through great incubators like the Sephora Accelerator um, or through, you know, really um, hands on a mentorship from like one of our VPs, Jessica, over at Ulta, who, you know, when we're meeting, we're not just talking about like performance numbers of the brand. She's talking about what do you guys need? How do I help support you? Who do you need to get in contact with? Here's what I've seen that works. That mentorship has often, um, you know, come along the way. But how do we now make sure that within our sphere and universe that we have that type of um, guidance and infrastructure so that we can really expand our impact to our customer base through education? Like, you know, we want to have concierge. We want to make sure that folks are meeting with dermatologists and trichologists to also support their their beauty needs while using great products. Um, so giving that to our customer in a way that hasn't been done before, while also, you know, we have a, a goal of impacting 30,000 families and becoming one of the largest businesses in Haiti, which is kind of crazy to even say that we can do that, but we are actually on track to do that. So to do, to to create that amount of work in the country, and by the way, also create work here in the States. I mean, we were looking at, you know, in having our own facility, how many people we employ right here in Miami. And uh, every time we, like, we did a partnership with Uber uh, during the pandemic because we needed folks in our warehouse so that we can fulfill orders. And every time someone walked into the door and you had a diverse array of staff, they were like, you guys own this? And just the surprise, because we look like them, or, you know, of course, we're in jeans, we're usually very casual. They're just like, 
oh, we thought you were working here with us. Um, <laughs> and then they'd watch like the Shark Tank clip and they're like, wait a minute. You guys own this. But just to see the spark in their eyes and then for them to start to say, oh, I have a business idea. And then they're like giving us their business ideas and about what they can do. There's something powerful when you can see yourself in someone and their business thriving that encourages you to do the same. And um, you've probably heard the story about, I think it was, there was a time where I guess to to run uh, a minute mile or or what have you, it was undone until the first person did it. And then everyone after that did it. So there's something psychological in us overall as human beings. Once someone does something, then you know it's achievable. And if they they have some connection to you, then, or you can see yourself in them, then you're able to prosper. So we want to continue to make sure that when we elevate the profile of Creole Essence, it's not just for our ego, right? But it's also so that others can go on and can create better, bigger things, but it's because they saw someone else do it. And I think we've been a um, beneficiary of that as well by seeing what some of earlier brands in the mass space have done to be inclusive and to make sure to create hair, skin, and body products that work for our community. And, you know, when Carol's daughter was bought out, that was the first major, you know, um, you know, M&A deal within the textured hair space. You know, now you're looking at, you know, Mayel and what she's doing. So th- there is now more precedent um, for our brand's brands like us who cater to diverse communities growing and thriving. And I think that's exciting because it's creating the case for why everyone matters and everyone needs to have um, a spotlight on their needs. And I think we're one of the company's best positioned to do it, especially in the clean prestige space, which, which is really behind quite frank and catching up feverishly. Um, But, but there's still such an opportunity there to do that. Yes. Well, I certainly look forward to seeing what comes next for Creole Essence. Thank you so much, Yvkar, for joining us today on the podcast. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on, Emma. I really enjoyed our conversation and I hope the Glossy community will check us out at creoleessence.com. Thank you so much for listening to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Tune in next week for another episode. Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening.